hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is the Fizzle Show. Why fizzle when you can fazzle? Why foozle when you can fuzzle? That's what I always say. What is this, a Dr. Seuss book? I don't know. Redfish, bluefish. Speaking of redfish, have you ever... No, I had nowhere to go with that. If you're building a business, you're in the right place. I don't know. I was going to try to try to connect some sort of like the... the <laughs> I'm try, my brain is like a jumble of Dr. Seuss and like kids books. And so I got a lot of metaphors there I could go with. But that's not what matters right now. Because we're going to drive the point home that what we're getting into here is the stuff that is essential and important, uh, challenging, real, effective inspiring for real business builders, a modern business builder. Now, it used to be that you needed to raise money. You had to get all this capital. You had to talk to your bank and get a loan. You had to find a place, like a brick-and-mortar place, to set up a business. All that's changed now. All of that has changed. Like, if you have a Facebook account, you have a business. If you have a Twitter account, you already have a business. You ever notice how the, like an Instagram is like kind of trying to get you to turn your account into a business account, right? It's literally right there in all these social medias that we use to connect with each other, right? You're a business. It's like that Jay-Z line. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business, man. <laughs> That's what modern business is like some of the time, right? And we're here to try to help like figure out what people are doing that's actually working. Now, the t- truth is that a lot of the times what makes things work is actually age-old stuff. And today's episode is an age-old thing. And you know what? There's something new about this, though. There's something new about this. You know, the time was when you used to be like, uh, all right, I'm going to start like a co- like a, I'm going to be a cobbler, right? I'm going to fix people's shoes and I'm just going to call it like Jim's cobblery you know it's just like pretty simple to name things pamela's bakery right i think there is a pamela's bakery that i've been to before you could just like kind of like name things like roscoe brothers because there was two roscoe brothers that started the company or i don't know why everything's going with like actual literal pronoun like names uh of people and i can't figure (laughs) i can't think of of other things like like i always think of like acme corp Right, right. <laughs> or just whatever. But with today, we're talking about naming a company. We're talking about naming your business, naming your project, naming your product, right? It is such a harrowing thing. And I got to tell you right now, Corbett, I am in the like, in the mix of, of like, kind of like, I'm like equal parts racking my brain about like naming something because I have to name something. And then also just kind of like letting it go with the flow because it seems to me like what I've learned is, is you can't really force it sometimes, right? But I'm trying so hard to come up with a name for my, a new a website that I need to create. And it's just like, oh, I just want it to be perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I don't know how other people feel about this, but. I I get the sense that it kind of it's a uh, it's daunting for most people because it's so hard to come up with a good name just in the abstract it's hard to come up with a good name and then when you consider that you got to find a domain name to match and the social media handles and got to make sure there's no competition out there with the same name maybe look up the trademark and all this kind of stuff it becomes like a big project and I I can imagine there are businesses out there that just get totally derailed on this step and like never proceed because they couldn't find a good name for it. 
Right, right, exactly. And I mean, we've worked with, you know, hundreds, thousands of entrepreneurs through Fizzle, right? So we've seen this come up again and again and again and again. But but the, the examples that speak the loudest to me are obviously those from my own life. Like I've been an entrepreneur. I've been, you know, I'm, I'm putting air quotes around entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur. I've been, I've been a self-employed for a long time now. And there's been a lot of things I've needed to name over the past. I guess it's been like, I think I started my first side company like 10 years ago, maybe. And I called it Illuma, I L O O M A. It was such a bad name. I don't know, but it was like a domain that I could buy. (laughs) Nice. You know, and it was like a built around this idea of like illumination, but I did it with like two O's because I was on the tail end of like, I don't know what, like remember how weird all those web two O names were for a long time there. Like, uh, delicious. Like delicious, the ones that were like getting cutesy with the, uh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah totally. I mean, flicker, yeah, flicker with Everything just the, the, you take R. out the e at the, at the end of the er, yeah, totally. Or cut, just like what's an or cut? I don't know. High five. I there's just there was all of these. I remember doing like branding presentations when I was just like a little wet behind the ear marketing guy. And, and just, you, you know, the names that I, the brands that I was picking to like say, like, here's what happened with this company and here's what they right. want, you know, <laughs> so like before those, all those, before literally all those companies failed. Totally. <laughs> My goodness. So the point I'm, we're getting to today is, is that naming stuff's actually really hard and like hands up in the audience if you know what I'm talking about, because it, it, it's this place, this is why I think it's so important that we talk about this. It's this place where, I think it's really, really easy to stall out. Do you know oh, what I mean, absolutely. Corbin? It's it's super easy to stall out, and uh, we've we know because we've done it before. I mean, it's it's like okay, guys, all hands on deck. We got to name this thing now, so all the work's going to stop while we just try to find something that makes sense and that's available. You know, yeah, something that we can, something that's going to work for forever. You know, just, just something that leads to like, like just to work for, for forever, for the next 50 years. Who knows what this company can become? Yeah. Right? Right. There's all this pressure on it. There's all this pressure. And it's just a place where it's, it's so easy to stall out. And I, here's what I see happening in my own tendencies. I mean, I've, I've gotten through this every time and, and built something eventually. Not every time, actually. There's been lots of ideas throughout my history. And that stopped because I couldn't come up with a name, you know, a name that I felt good about, a name that I felt like was like, I don't know, that, that, that worked. So yeah, so all my, all my history, like is, is I, I see it in my own self, this place, this way that I kind of, this place where I stall out, I'm trying to come up with a name. Uh, or we're like, I've got this idea for a product. This is how it typically works for me. I've got this idea for a product or idea for a company or idea for the thing I want to start. And I'll go, I'll like sketch out, like, here's how it's going to work. And for a while, I don't let naming be an important yeah. thing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just kind of like intentionally don't, don't d- take it seriously or like, or not seriously, but I mean, I intentionally don't bring it in because I know it's going to be really hard. Cause I just want to see like, are there legs to this business? Is there a, th- is there a there there? Right. Is there something to it? And so I'll think it through and I'm doing all my like, well, I really understand business. This is how the business model is going to work. Here's the value chain. All right. Here's our marketing channels. Here's how we're going to make it work. Right. Just really smart at business stuff. <laughs> I'm just literally making stuff up. I'm thinking I'm smart. Right. I'm like thinking I'm, you know, you 
you're just like high on the op- on the on the opportunity, on the potential, right, on the possibility. And then uh, when it event- inevitably comes down to to coming up with a name, this is like the first to me. Oftentimes, it's the first thing that is like um, that is. It's the first thing that is manifested honestly about like that is that is an experience of of this idea. It's like the first thing that like gives this thing an identity that someone else can actually hear about and experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and there's pressure on it not just because it's so hard to come up with an available name and all that, but also you want a name that you feel good about and that somehow like imbues all of these things into the into the business, you know, from the concept to who the audience is to like a feeling and a personality. And there's just so much riding on the name that, that it's no wonder it feels so heavy because it it kind of is. And um, I think you're, you're dead on when you say like that it's a good idea to wait to start naming your thing because I can think of like names way back when, like when you're talking about Illuma or whatever, like, way back when coming up with names where clearly thinking about the name, I didn't have an idea of what the product was or who the audience was or really what this thing was going to be. And yet I spent so much time trying to come up with the name anyway. And I think it just makes so much more sense to, um, to wait and get a better idea of where this thing is going before you spend so much time and energy on a name. Because, Sometimes you end up having to do that all over again and, uh, and then just waste all that time once again. The other thing, the other thing about names, you know, I think there's, there are ways to look at naming. And one is, you know, I think some people get hung up on the name being like the thing that ties the room together. It's like a great rug, right? But Mm -hmm. you can also look at it as, sort of like a business idea in that um, it's a multiplier. It's not the thing that makes it all work, but it does amplify your execution. So, you know, you could come up with the greatest name in the world, and if you don't execute and carry out the vision and build a great product and a team and all that kind of stuff, then the name really doesn't matter. Um, on the other hand, if you build yeah. a really great product it will still be something even if it has a mediocre name. Sure, a better name would probably help yeah. that thing. Yeah. But you know, there are all kinds of names out there that work and if somebody just told you that name in abstract, you'd go, "What? Like, what is that?" Like, you know, think about like Warby Parker, for example. Like, what the hell is that? And yet, yeah, right. It's it's a great brand and it and it seems to work for them and those are probably just two nonsense names that they stuck together. You know, not even founder names or whatever. Totally, man. Totally. And there's all these different like naming trends and styles that might like go out of out, go out of style within a few years, you know, and feel like old to a lot of people. You know, they don't it doesn't connect with the with the with the youth of today, the young people today. There's just all it's just all fraught, you know. Mm-hmm. It is and and part of me, I think, you know, really one of the one of the first tips, the points that I want to give to people here is that like is really this question for them to think about and what we can discuss is naming really ever perfect. Like, do you think that when like Google started their company that they're like, we're going to call it Google that they knew it was going to be a, like an intergalactic brand, right? Like if we're in Mars, like Google will be there. 
You know, no, and, like a Google will be a brand that lasts forever. No, and that and that's and that's a great example, and that's that's a good place to look. You know, there's these um, the the top four or five stocks out there. They have different names for for them at different times. I think they call them Fang right now, like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. F A A N G. And if you just look at those names. They all have um, different attributes. They don't all follow the same strategy. And if you look at the origin mm. stories, in a lot of cases, they had no clue that the market was going to explode like it did for any of those things. Uh, you right. know, I mean, Netflix started yeah. in DVDs, for God's sake, and look where those are now. So, uh, you know, th- those follow different approaches. And could you say that any of them are perfect names? They, they certainly work and, and they're, they're good and you can come with reasons why they're good, but that doesn't mean that other names couldn't have suited those companies just as well. Right. Right. Is Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google really the, the largest, uh, stocks in the world? Well, they're like the, they're like the, the big five tech stocks that, that people pay attention to. And it's just if, if you follow, the market, they call them FANG because they're kind of all in the same upper echelon. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And that it. changes. You know, it used to be, it used to be like Yahoo was in that, you know, that it changes every year. There are different companies that kind of come and go. Right. Um, but Google certainly is, is one of the common ones from you. Got year. it. Right. So the, so the first question to me is like, is this stuff, can it actually ever be perfect? Right. And will you ever have a feeling of that's perfect? I mean, um, I, I'm sort of suspect of that idea at this point, right? It feels like I really resonate with what you were saying, Corbett, about like, you can have a great product with a terrible name and have a successful business, you know, and you can have a great yes. name with a terrible product and just not have a business, you know? So it's like one is more important than the other, but, but you want to give your business the most, the most chance it possibly has of succeeding. And to me, where a lot of the impetus around naming, where a lot of motivation is for me, honestly, is in having a name that I feel proud of. You know, I I feel like makes sense or I feel like is relevant or has a good feel to it. Do you resonate with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, It it certainly makes you get up in the morning a little easier if you know that you're going to work for a company that you started and has a name that you feel really great about. Uh, and I think the opposite can be true. However, you know, we should mention that uh, a name is not a brand. I think sometimes people kind of interchange the two of those mm. things and there really are um, differences between them. A brand ends up being some, I've heard some people say it's like what people say about your business when you're not there it's mm-hmm. the sort of combined understanding and feeling that people have about your business. It's not just the name. And so a name can be infused with meaning and brand sort of feeling over time based on what you do and, and how you animate that name and how you, um, you know, address your customers and, and build your products and the culture that you build and all that kind of stuff. So, and, you know, just defining what constitutes a crappy name versus a great name, I think, is a really hard thing to do because you can make arguments on both sides for all kinds of names that someone might assume is a really bad name and somebody else might assume is a really good name. And the other scary thing is 
you'll never know if Apple is a great name or not, for example, because there can never be an AB experiment where the same company has two different yeah. names in the abstract from one another. So yeah. it's impossible to say if Apple's a great name and whether or not, um, if they had had a different name, would it have failed or could it have been an even bigger company? It's impossible to say. So the only thing we have to go on is what naming experts, quote unquote, tell us and uh, what we know from the success stories of businesses that we look at and just from how a name makes us feel and how we feel like a name either helps or hinders our business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, that like, I mean, as you're talking about Apple, I, I do kind of like, I have to say, I do kind of like, I don't know. I, I, obviously I love their products and stuff like that. I'm not a, I'm not a fanboy. I tried to be for a little while and I have a lot of friends who are like, they, they like, I have a lot of friends who have podcasts just about like the tech culture and like namely about like what the MacBook that they put out this year is like versus the Apple iWatch or whatever. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like it, I see, I, I got to see this whole world of like Apple fandom. Um, and I tried to be like an actual Apple fanboy, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel good to me to like, to really rep any team that hard in this space. Cause I just see them as like, as companies, but, um, yeah, there's something about the name Apple and just knowing some of the lore around Steve jobs and some of the origin stories and, and him like tripping on acid in in, <laughs> in India and like, you know, and what I know about like, you know, the Apple is, is the symbol of this, this, like this, I'm saying this because it's instructive for those of us who actually have like name ideas or want some tricks. And we're going to get into a lot of tricks on some name ideas and how to find one. But like this idea of this, this iconic symbol of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? The tree of, the tree of knowledge, right? And this like fruit, don't eat of the fruit of this tree, this forbidden fruit. The, the apple is what, you know, Snow White takes a bite of and and goes goes unconscious, right? And so I just look at it and I go like, "Fuck, man, that's a great brand." That's like, it's just so cool. And it's just to call it like Apple, not the Apple Company. And what did they start with? Actually, what didn't they? Apple Computers. It was like I think it was Apple Computer Corp or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just yeah. and it's it's evolved it's to just, just Apple. Apple. Gosh. But the interesting thing is, you know. You can go to your kitchen and, and grab an apple to eat, and the company Apple doesn't cross your mind, and vice versa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can talk about Apple and all the things that are coming out, you know, in in their latest whatever release party, and uh, the concept of an apple that you would eat doesn't cross your mind either. They operate in separate places in your mind, and that's the power of a brand over time. Of course. If you came up with the name Apple and you said, I'm going to name my company Apple, the only thing someone can think about right then is an apple that you eat. Uh, but over time, you've got, you know, the, the founder's lore and the, and all of the backstory and then all of the history and, and everything on top of it. And so that word Apple as a name for that company means so much more. And that's what you have to think about as you're coming up with a name that your name is going to evolve into feeling like your business over time. Mm, yeah. Okay. So listen, our first tip here is just this idea that to, to realize like, um, this sense that like naming stuff is never, maybe, maybe it never feels perfect. Right. And I think this is something that's really hard for my sort of creative 
airy fairy kind of mind to take. It was very challenging for me to take that for a while, but I learned how to, how to just go with whatever I did and just, you know, it's like you got to get yourself out there. It's like pulling out into a lane that just has nonstop cars, you know, just coming down the street and you listen, man, you got to get your nose out there and just, and just go for it. You know, you just got to kind of go for it at some point, right? At some point. And the good thing to know is you can, you can switch it later on. It doesn't end up costing all that much, though it is going to be a bit of a hassle. And I mean, by cost, I don't mean money. I mean, um, and sometimes money, but like, I just mean like a whole new, a whole introduction of this. Hey, we're, we're called this now, you know, to your audience yeah. and stuff like that. So and the massive companies it. do that every once in a while, you know, and it, and it's not the end of them for sure. No, not at all. Because like Corbett said, a good product, which is to say a good solution to a real problem, it, like can have any number of names and still work, you know, can have any quality of, of name and still and still be workable in some way. So the first thing is like, just think for a second, like really, and if you've tried things yourself, if you've seen it, like think about how, how how abstract these a lot of these names that exist out there are like Warby Parker is a great example Corbett really your experience of Warby Parker is in the ethos that comes through the design of their glasses right and the Warby Parker name is just, is a nice signifier somehow that works right but if you if you were i don't know if you <laughs> If it was like, uh, if it was some other product, for some reason, the only product name <laughs> categories that I have going through my head are totally indecent and not, ca- <laughs> not shareable right now on the airwaves. But like, like that name could work for other stuff too, uh, or, or not work in another thing. Because again, the product really makes, makes most of the difference. So is it ever going to be really perfect? Think about that. Do you think your name will feel perfect? before you launch do you think your name will feel perfect and you'll know it and how will you know how will you know we've got some answers to that in a little bit so that's the first thing and now another now the second tip is this the sense of and corbett i want you to speak on this for a little bit just the practice it's almost it's funny for me i'm actually excited to talk about this because i don't ever i've never really heard anybody talk about this before i've never really heard anybody talk about this before but it's this concept of of uh, or the practice of using a placeholder name Talk about your experience with placeholder names. Yeah, I've used placeholder names um, several times now. In fact, for Fizzle, we used a placeholder name for a while so that we could get started. The, the whole idea here is that naming can really hold you back, but you do need something to call this business, oftentimes just because you're signing up for different tools and services and things to help you build this thing. And you have to put a placeholder on there somewhere. You have to name your GitHub account something, right? Um, and so for Fizzle, for example, we started calling it, um, I think there was some like project name originally. Uh, and then it kind of morphed. We called it Lemonade for a while, as in yeah. Lemonade Stand, because we kind of liked that concept, but knew that name wasn't super tenable or available. So we just called it that for a while to give us some time so that we could let the name come to us and we could percolate on it and we could keep growing a long list of potential options um, before we are forced to decide. We did the same thing recently with Palapa, which is the name of the new uh, community platform that we've been building. We called that Mangosteen for a good year plus, um, just again, to give us something to be able to work on sort of as a code name for the project so that we didn't have to spend a bunch of cycles naming it so that we could let the name 
percolate and uh, ideas come to us and then also to let the product evolve and speak to us in terms of what it wanted to be. And then uh, eventually we came up with the name Palapa. Eventually we Mm. came up with the name Fizzle Um, using mostly these tips that we're going to go through today. We, we really did follow this kind of um, process to help us evaluate those names against other potential names we had. Yeah. And so to me, what's really important for people to hear about this, and you might not have ever, like a lot of you out there, I, I think maybe haven't thought about this before, how important it is that you just, you can just, you can actually just give it a label right now. You can give it what we call a placeholder name. You know, just something that we're going we're gonna to call it this for a little while. And, and I'm sure like a name will eventually we'll have to pick a name. But right now, let's just call it Project X, right? Which is what I think we called Fizzle in the very, very, very beginning. The first mm-hmm. email that you wrote me. Um, and, or, and then eventually we're like, well, it's just like it's developing into the, you know, something about like lemonade. The idea that, you know, as a little kid, you can start up a lemonade stand. You start making money. That's really a, where our goal is, is help people start earning an independent living. And then, and then have all the tools there to become a massive corporation that makes lemonade. But like, uh, you know, not, well, not to become a massive corporation, but become a massively successful independent business. So uh, that concept of a placeholder name is just one that, that a lot of people probably don't realize is an excellent tool for going like, okay, we're going to need to call this something. Let's just call it this for now and let's keep working. Like Corbett was saying, when you're building stuff online, you oftentimes need to sign up for accounts and this, that, and, I'm, and not, not like uh, when you're in the development world, it's not like a, your social media account. You obviously don't want your social media account to be on something that isn't your actual brand, right? Um, so the, a distinction there, but just so that while you're working with people, you might be hiring a designer or, uh, for some element of it or a copywriter or, uh, put it, it would be fun. Corbett is to put together a course, uh, a quick, like short course. That's like, here's how, if you have, if, if you could get together like 4,000 bucks or a thousand bucks even or something, here's how you can, you can come up with a, pro- you can find a problem that's worth solving and then you can hire a, uh, you know, a consultant, a marketing sort of consultant to help you do competitive research and just deliver you a report there to hire a copywriter to help put like the research from that into a sales page for a thing or a mock sales page for a thing to help you take, you know, a, an account or, or something like that. Like you could almost like outsource all the elements of entrepreneurship. And so that you're the one, you're the actual CEO making the decisions from the start. You don't actually have to have this like crazy wild business idea. You just need to know there's a problem here. People deserve a solution. Let's hire people to come up with a solution under this ne- under our company. And I don't know why I'm thinking about that right now, but that would be a fun that'd be a fun course to think through because it just reminds me of of that book, The E Myth, and how he mm-hmm. he was talking about how even from the start having a a sort of a hierarchy of of the roles in the company. You know, even if you're playing all the roles to have like the hierarchy and the job description and the role and like what that person is like, you need them to do, even if you're doing it. I don't know. Anyways, I'm getting off track. (laughs) That'd be, that'd be funny. But, um, okay. Placeholder names. Now we've come up with a lot of names throughout history, both Corbett and I, and like Corbett mentioned, fizzle, 
uh, Palapa. These are two, and I really like that brand, Palapa. I, I, I mean, maybe it's just because I've spent so much time in Mexico, but uh, I just think, and I just think it's a perfect name, Corbett. I think it's a great brand. I think it's a, there's a lot of potential for that. There's a big future in that brand. I think Fizzle's also this very interesting brand. We've always had, we've always had this little, like, it's like this little, like, teetery quality to it where, where some people are like, wait, what do you mean? That's all about fizzling out, right? And that, 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 like, that making that a part of our story, I think, was was really fun for me to like to own how like and it was a surprise to me that so many people resonated with the fizzling out instead of the 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 other definition, which is like to to fizzle like the way like a soda pop can fizzle. You know what I mean? The way that like steak can sizzle, but it can also fizzle. I don't know. De- definition wise, it it exists in the, in the word fizzle, but I, I, but a lot of people resonate with just the most businesses fizzle out thing. And so for me personally, when I started telling the story, I actually changed the story, you know, to, 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 to go with what, what, uh, what it was bringing up for people naturally. And there was a story there. This is another great example for me about how your name, maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it comes out. You think it's one way. Everybody experiences it in another way. Can you, can you, can you roll with that, right? Because everybody's going to tell when you're like trying not to make them think what they already think. Um, so we've got all these history uh, in names behind us and maybe throughout the rest of the conversation, we'll bring up little examples. And I've got a, 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 a name that I'm trying to come up with right now, which maybe we'll get into um, in this as well. But I want to start going through, we have this article that is, that is actually not new. This is something we wrote a while ago because we've worked with so many damn entrepreneurs that like, in, like the naming stuff always comes up. It's a bit, it's a, it's a, it's a section in our roadmap. In case you aren't familiar, we have a roadmap of several courses inside of Fizzle that walks you through at like the, the initial 10 steps of business or however many steps there are there. I've, I've forgotten at this point, but naming's one of them, right? So we've got, this great training on naming that we're going to talk to you about today. And, and we're going to go through these 10 categories that are going to help you figure out and evaluate any name that you come up with and give it a score. Honestly, you'll be able to score these names and you'll be able to like, choose from like whichever one's best. And so I don't know, Corbett, any other setup that you want to do before we just start going through these categories? No, just other, other than to say that we have use this ourselves. Um, and, uh, it really does help a lot of times, you know, in making a decision, this is kind of like choosing a a niche for your business In making a decision. It's really easy to get hung up on going back and forth in your mind about why something's good or bad. But, you know, going back to the old advice of your, from your parents, your grandparents or whatever about making a pros and cons list and writing things down. This is more sophisticated than that, but really it's just about, putting things to paper so that you aren't stuck in this endless loop of like, Mm. well, no, I feel like that one's better. No, this one's better. No, that one's better. This one helps you actually evaluate the 10 or so factors that matter in choosing a name so that you can come up with a more objective score. Yeah. Love it. All right. Hit us with the first one. Okay, cool. Uh, so the first one that comes up is the appearance of how a name looks as a visual sort of signifier. So if it was in a logo or in an ad or on a billboard or something, the name 
is if it's ever seen, it's always going to be seen in that sort of context and it's going to have some important kind of look to it. So you just want to think about like, you know, look at the different names that you've come up with and look at visual cues like having uh, two of the same letters like the ZZ and fizzle or alliteration like I had for think traffic or expert enough. Uh, the symmetry of the words, the, you know, how long it is, the letters that poke up above the baseline and down below and, and just kind of how it looks and feels. One of my absolute favorite examples of this is Sonos because Sonos has this magic thing that happens where you can turn that name around or, uh, orient it vertically. And you can still read it. I forget what that's called when a word is like that, but it has this magic property and there aren't too many names that do that. So that's one that looks really elegant for some reason and, and is really versatile. And sometimes because it's on a speaker, the speaker might be placed vertically or horizontally. So it really works for them. So that's what we mean by appearance, just how the name looks. Awesome. So like Corbett mentioned, the two Z's in fizzle for us were like a big, like I knew that I could use that in a lot of different ways to come up with a logo if I needed to, right? I could make those two Z's uh, somehow visually interact with each other. That makes it, you know, a a little more iconic. Um, The number of letters that are in the words, uh, the, the number of words, like how long, how it, how it just actually visually, visually looks. And so what's going to happen here is if you download, there's a, a, a worksheet that we made for this episode and for this training that is like, uh, that just has this, this work, that this spreadsheet kind of thing that you can, na- you can give your name. Like you might have my recommendation is come up with as many names as you can, like come up with like 10 names, you know? Come up with even more than that if you want, or that, that then you write each one of them down in this paper or on this worksheet. And the first column is, uh, is appearance. And you can give them a number from one to 10. Like one, it doesn't look very good or appealing to you or to others. And 10, like it feel, it looks really good and appealing to me or to others. And bang on Corbett about that Sonos brand. Like just, just thinking about how perfect that is because sonar sound, the idea of, of what they're about is, is sound. And so it's like, it has this sort of sound wave sonar quality to it, but it, it does that frontwards and backwards thing, which I think is called a palindrome, but it goes even further. Like you said to where you can literally just flip it around. Like you can, you can put it on something backwards and it, doesn't and it's not backwards. <laughs> I just think that's awesome. Um, all right, what's the second one, Corb? All right. Uh, so in this matrix, the second thing here is sound, and that's basically if you're not looking at the name but just saying it or hearing it on a podcast, for example. Um, what does it sound like? And not only how it sounds, but also how easily it will be spoken by those who matter most, the potential customer, because word of mouth can be a really big part of marketing for a company. And if you have a great name, it's going to be easy. But if people are uncomfortable saying that name, the word won't get out because Mm. they're not sure about how to pronounce it or it's clumsy to say or something like that. So, you know, you can ask yourself a quick question about this and, and that is how easily could you communicate this name to somebody over some kind of like garbly phone call? Would they be like, what, what, 
what was that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, if so, then it probably doesn't have the ideal sound for a name. It doesn't mean that this name is sunk totally. Cause this is just one of 10 elements, but sound can be a big part of that. Yeah, totally. And by the way, I didn't mention this before to download this, uh, this worksheet. It's free. Um, we just put it up on the site for you. So you're going to go to the show notes for this episode. This is episode 291 of the fizzle show. So you go fizzleshow.co slash 291. All right. And then you'll see there, uh, how to download this thing. Okay. Now what's the third one here, Corbett distinctiveness. What does that mean? So distinctiveness is all about differentiation. And um, this is important for your business in general. It's important for your products. It's important for your audience. There's all kinds of areas of your business that you want to be differentiated. You want to stand apart from the competition. And name is one of those things. Um, but a lot of names, if you look out there, and this is a reason, one of the reasons that we chose Fizzle, a lot of names kind of jumble together and it's hard to tell them apart. You know, when, when you're talking about any particular industry, there's a, a trend that a lot of companies will go in. And so choosing a name that is really distinct from the sea of other names out there in your industry, it will make it memorable so that when people hear it, it'll stick in their head and they won't go, wait, what was, what was that name again? Was it, it was the online course something, something, what was that? They'll instead go, oh, fizzle. Like, I can't forget that because it's it's just so different from all of the other companies that are out there. Yeah, love it. Okay, and again, you're going to write these names down on this document and just give it a, a you know, your best guess of a, of a score there. And this is just for you. This is just literally a tool to help get the idea about what name should I pick out of your head and onto paper because it is notoriously difficult to be kind of evaluating those things inside your head. And most of us aren't a Steve Jobs. It just is the case that most of us aren't. That most of us are more of a like Joe's cobblery. What did I say before? Was it what is a, a cobbler? Is is it cobblery? I don't know. Cobblery. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Joe's cobbler. <laughs> Pamela's bakery. Whatever. Most of us are like that's where most of our of the businesses in America are. And in in the world, they're 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 small businesses. This is like a vast majority of the number of businesses are not Steve Jobs businesses or Mark Zuckerberg businesses, right? So yeah, like don't make yourself try to be like you know some iconic maverick, you know, so intentional, so thoughtful, so deep. You know, it's really it's like get these ideas out of your head on a piece of paper, evaluate them quickly, let's move on with life because chances are it's going to be fine. I mean, Warby Parker works. <laughs> Warby Parker. Oh, yeah, Warby Parker. I know that guy. Man, that was that little nerdy kid from back in, like, junior high or something like that. What, whatever happened to him? Oh, wow. He's a lawyer now. Wow. Jeez, Louise. You know, it's like Warby Parker. It's like, how did that work? And it works fine. Crazy. All right, Corbett, which one's next? Next class is for hipsters now. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick side note, Chase. This is actually episode 292 okay whoa how did i get that get that off what did i do what, what did i do wrong here how's this happening to me you guys you guys know. i just I want know. to take this opportunity right now to apologize from the depth of my heart all right because listen i'm not here to be making mistakes 
I'm going to be learning how to name stuff. So 292 is where you're going to find the show notes for this or the, the download for this guy. Okay. So fizzleshow.co slash 292. And thank you, Corbett. No problem. That's what I'm here for. All right. Let's get on to the next one. What, what are we on? All We're right. on number four now. Yeah. So the next is about positioning. And that really is how relevant is this name to the positioning of the product or company being named? So think about relevancy here. When you say, uh, Joe's cobbler, that makes it relevant to being a cobbler, right? It's connected there. So that, that helps. People will be able to associate it very quickly versus fizzle. It's very hard to, uh, figure out possible some would say that um fizzle is related to um you know to to building businesses and entrepreneurship unless you hear a little bit more about fizzle and this whole backstory which is most businesses fizzle out and we're here to help you not do that but if you just look at the name hear the name think about the name on its own how relevant is that name to the positioning of the product or company being named. And this can be at odds with distinctiveness. It can be very hard to come up with a name with great positioning that is also distinctive from other names that are out there. Sonos is is a, another great example of that because it is very distinctive in the field of audio. It's not called Cambridge Audio or something like that. Um, but it also is mm-hmm. relevant to positioning, I think, because you think of sonar and sound for some reason when you hear that Sonos name. So I think that one is a, a good example of, of doing both of those. Totally. Totally. And, and by the way, each one of these is, is explained in detail on the page that you can download this, uh, this worksheet from. And like I said, it's just a free little thing. You just get into it and start, start doing it. And you could print off, you can have it on your computer. You can print it off anytime. I mean, I do this for products, not just companies, but for product names, for children's names. Do you know what I mean? I've, I, all my children were named using this process. So it's a, it's a very helpful, helpful thing to use. That was, I was joking about that. Mm-hmm. I would never allow my, my, I don't know. I was, I was just going somewhere with like, my wife would never allow me to have a contributing factor in what the children are named. Those belong to her from primarily. So number five years depth. What is the, what is depth? Like I understand distinctiveness. I understand position. I understand sound and appearance, you know, but what is depth? Depth is like layers of meaning that you can associate with a name. So, uh, it helps if a, a name has multiple definitions because you can draw on that. If a name has, uh, it, some sort of like onomatopoeia, like where it sounds like something or, um, it conjures up, you know, different thoughts and, and, and visions and things. Those are layers of meaning. And if a name has great depth, then you can go different directions with it and, and it can help you with the branding. So for example, fizzle, uh, we often talk about fizzling out and how most businesses fizzle out, but also in the beginning, when you came up with the logo for fizzle, we were also thinking about that sound, right? That, that something could make a sort of a mm. crackling kind of sound. And so you came up with this spark that, that ran through the logo that might make a fizzle sound, which added to it. So there's all this mm-hmm. kind of depth in some names and that's a benefit because it, it's something that you can continue to draw on for branding, for design, for, um, you know, lore and all those sorts of things that you want somebody to attach to a name. Right. Now, two things on this one, this depth one, right? A lot of times with the depth category, 
it, it and maybe with a, a few of these other ones that we're about to get into, we're gonna we're getting into the realm of the uh, subconscious. I'll call it right where things are a little more gooey, a little more borderless, and and sort of like there's blur between the edges, so you don't know where one thing's more has more depth than the other. So it's like, but you still got to pick a number to put down on the page. That's why this is so good. Is you're just, you're going to have to go with your gut on these things, right? And one might feel like it has a little more depth than the other, and that might actually surprise you, and you learn things about that. So half of the deciding what name to use is in thinking through, like looking through each one of these lenses at each one of the names. It's really killer. And second thing here, when you go to the page where you can download the worksheet, <laughs> there's a there's a nice little uh, there's a nice little bit in the uh, <laughs> in the description on this one, which I think is I think is a little bit funny because it's bonus, actually true. Little bonus bit, yeah, a little, total total bonus bit about the history of one of the names we've been describing. Okay, Corbett, what's number six? Humanity. What does that What does that mean? Yeah, so humanity is is really just um, the difference between something that is cold and clinical and unemotional and something that is um, that feels like human. It has warmth to it. It it could be like a kid's nickname or something or a dog's nickname or whatever. So a, a good example of this would be the difference I'd say between Netflix, which is sort of cold and unemotional versus Hulu, which is more human because you can imagine somebody doing a, hu- a Hulu dance and it, it just kind of has a more um, human kind of feel to it. So in that case, you would give Hulu a higher humanity score than Netflix or scientific um, uh, instruments or something like that is just a really cold clinical name. So it would get a very low score on the human kind of level. Okay, this is an interesting place because we got to take a break to read a sponsor read. But like, let's talk for a second about this, uh, or we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk for a second after the sponsor read that Corbett's about to do about like about. Let's see. Let's see how this name that we're about to read off is, is, is to us in in like maybe on this this uh, category of of humanity or or maybe even depth. Yeah. The one before it, or, or maybe Corbett, you could pick one and, and kind of speak to it. But re- who's our sponsor today? Yeah. So <laughs> this this actually is an. Exact- we could have been using all day long. The, our sponsor today is Gusto. And Gusto is uh, a company that is reimagining payroll and benefits and HR for modern companies, modern companies like ours, the kind that we're building and talking about on this show. Gusto serves over 60,000 companies nationwide. They have offices in San Francisco and Denver, and we use them for paying our employees, for paying our contractors. You can set up benefits in there. Uh, you can, you know, you can run HR, uh, you can run um, health benefits through there. You can set up time off, all that sort of stuff. And they make it super easy because you can basically input your new employee's email address and then it will do all of the onboarding for you. It will collect all of the bank information from your employee, make sure that you're complying with workers comp, new hire forms, all of that kind of stuff. So we really love Gusto and use them ourselves. Uh, you can find out more by going to uh, fizzle.co slash gusto. And just thinking about gusto as a name. So, for example, humanity, uh, gusto is a quality that a human might have, right? To do something with gusto. It also has depth because gusto. Totally. totally. Gusto, uh, we've, we've talked before about 
our difficulty in saying gusto because in in Spanish you say mucho gusto, which means nice to meet you. But gusto is this. Um, how would you define gusto? It's like um, having like bravery, courage. I see like a barrel chested Italian, like short Italian man. You know what I mean? Like I like the like those Dos Equis commercial about the most interesting man alive. There's some gusto in there. It has yeah. something to do with almost like grit or. Um, uh, there's another word that I, I'm forgetting the, right now. The dictionary but yeah. here is saying uh, enjoyment or vigor in doing something, zest. So it's just this like yeah. spicy, you know, um, fun kind of vigor in that word, and uh, it's a it's a great name. This is an example of something that either you know they paid a naming agency quite a lot of time to spend um, thinking about this or they got lucky and and had somebody who is really smart on their team to come up with that name I, I love it and you know they actually used to have a different name and we don't need to mention it now but they actually rebranded um, maybe about a year ago and gusto just fits them it works really well yeah that's awesome and now speaking of gusto the next category is energy Right. Which is like literally like the definition of gusto is like having a kind of vitality. Right. And so with energy, you're asking yourself, um, how like vi- how vital does this thing feel? How how like how much gusto does the if this name were the were the name of a person, how much vitality or energy or buzz would this would this person have? And, and what's great about a lot of these things like humanity, depth, energy, the next one, for example, um, it, it is just like, it's kind of like, you can kind of go with your gut on this. Like, give it a couple seconds, notice what your initial gut reaction is, think a little bit harder, and then just write down the number and move on to the next one. That's what's so great about this worksheet is you can, you, it's really, it's about quantity, get a bunch in there, and then be honest about evaluating them. And then you might be surprised what you realize you like the most. It's it's kind of one of those things where a good idea can be just hiding in plain sight right there, you know? So what's number eight, yeah. Matt? Uh, magic and evocativeness. Yeah, and, and I would recommend, uh, as you're going through this, I would go uh, through each category for all the names at once so that you can kind of compare and contrast them to one another so that you're thinking about, yeah. okay, name A versus name B on the energy scale. Which one has more energy? That way it's sort of a relative thing um, because that's really what you're trying to do here is is understand which of your names has the most energy versus the least so that you can assign scores and come up with that objective measure at the end. So the next one, uh, number eight on this list, is magic and evocativeness. And this is really um, what we call the the force of brand magic and i should mention that uh, some of this was borrowed from a naming agency called igor and um this is what they refer to this as the force of brand magic that means the buzz that a name is likely to generate and we can all think of of things that seemingly come out of nowhere and you just start to hear about it all of a sudden. You start to hear about these things mm-hmm. all over the place. And, you know, sometimes it's due to the product um, and, you know, something great about the product, but it can also be due to the name just because the name is really interesting and has this kind of magic angle that makes people, they when they hear about it, want to learn more. Um, one example of that that has come up, uh, over the past couple of years, I'd say is all birds, which are these shoes that are made out of wool. And there's, of course, other wool shoes out there. But for some reason, that name all birds just kind of sticks in your head. And when you hear about it, you're, you're like, what, what is that all about? Um, there's another 
uh, brand that I've seen advertised recently. It's they make mat mattresses and it's called purple. I think is the name of the mattress company. And mm. for some reason, it just has this thing like, what is that about? You see that bold purple color and you think, how does that relate to mattresses? And so it just has this kind of evocativeness. It makes you think of things and, and makes you wonder what else is going on with it. Totally. Those are great examples. Totally great examples. Okay. So the next two I'll do as just uh, as one, basically the first one, these are, these are going to be quick things that you just kind of look up. And actually, um, I, I, I don't know. It, the first one I could use your, your, your help with Corbett, but it's basically you're looking at number nine is the trademark availability, which is like how available, how available is this to trademark this idea or uh, this name? And then number 10 is the domain availability. Now the last one, the latter domain availability is really easy. You might use GoDaddy or I use Namecheap or Hover or something like that to buy your domains. Um, and you just go on there. <laughs> My recommendation is always like, if it's available, just buy it <laughs> and you can use it later. Even if you don't use it, uh, you'll just let it. <laughs> now, of course, my wife, uh, feels very differently about that after <laughs> my owning hundreds of donate domain names, but, uh, that is besides the point. And she got the children. I got the websites anyways. Uh, <laughs> but this number nine, how do, how does someone check on the trademark availability, Corbett? Yeah. Yeah, so um, this this is kind of uh, or or rather rather maybe maybe not even how do you check on it just like like how do you quickly kind of because it can take a lot of time to go check up on each one of these things is there like a shortcut that we got for these people it's actually not it's not too difficult and I know like going on to some government website it's the last thing that somebody wants to do during the day but the um, patent and trade office has an electronic search system they funny uh they came up with a funny name for it. it's called tess you guys which is it's got a, a human quality to it so yeah uh, totally the, the t-e-s-s the trademark electronic search system tess is um pretty easy to look up trademarks on and we have a link to that in our uh if you go to fizzleshow.co slash 292 the show notes for this you'll find that uh along with the guide that you're going to download to do your naming evaluation there's also a couple of other trademark names uh or trademark tools down there to help you see whether or not is a trademark is available and this is a good thing to look up if you've never done this before it doesn't mean that you have to go get a trademark right now we don't recommend that actually until you feel like you have a little bit more traction with your business right. but it's a good thing to know uh, that someone else isn't operating using the same name in the same trademark category as you, um, because that could be a real problem in the future and force you to have to rebrand. Yeah, I love this. I mean, I just love this whole conversation around naming because you know why? It just it's it's just an action step, right? It is generating action, and anything in your business where you actually get to take action like this, it's just there's so much doodling in journals when you're coming up with business ideas. Do you know what I mean? There's so many like mind maps and Evernote notebooks and different crap like that. You know what I mean? So to be able to actually take action like this can feel extremely inspiring. And this worksheet that we put together uh, is is one of those ridiculously useful things, kind of just like our copywriting, uh, our 80-20 copywriting 
sketch sheet, which is just so such a valuable tool for like everything that you need to do copywriting on or, or create. It just helps you get into the customer's mindset. Well, the same thing with this with this name thing. It will help you get into the customer's mindset, the mindset of the people who are going to hear about your brand, not from you. Right from something else, from someone talking about it, or from a, a an advertisement, or something like that. Right, mentioned in a podcast, so it'll just help you get a little bit into their their point of view. And I think it's just such an unbelievably helpful tool for that. So, in I don't know, in closing here, Corbett, like anything else that like you think needs to be said. Well, one thing that we didn't talk too much about is just the brainstorming process for names. And um, I'll just tell you what my process generally is. And, and that is uh, I keep a long list of potential names. I also make lists of words that I feel like are related to the company, the culture, the brand, the product, the customers, and, um, and start combining those things together. Um, I also talk about this in conversation with people. A uh, couple of times, friends have come up with really great names that I loved when I was kind of feeling stuck. Um, for example, the the blog Expert Enough that I ran for a while with Caleb Wojcik, um, that was a name that Leo Babauta came up with over beers one day, and it just stuck right away. It was available as a .com. I loved it. The name Palapa, actually, we were all sitting around under Palapas in Mexico, a bunch of us, um, and I brought up the fact that we were trying to name, and uh, my friend John was like, well, what about Palapa? We're sitting under them right now, and uh, I thought about it for a few days, and it just kept sounding better and better. So make sure that you mention this to people, make sure that you keep lists of names that could work, and then also in the show notes um, in this article that we mentioned, we have links to various name generators so you can go in and punch in a few different words and these name generators will come up with ideas they may not be perfect but they might um, send you in a direction that could work that's awesome all right so if you want to download that if you want to get all these tools they're all listed out for you just go to fizzleshow.co slash 292 all right that's fizzleshow.co slash 292 Corbett Barr thanks for joining me for another great episode today my friend we have missed Steph Crowder today she uh, she had a, a, a technology mishap and wasn't able to make it we're wishing her all the best and she will be back next week and other than that I'll see you guys later find care take care serve hard and dig in thanks y'all and talk to you next week on the Fizzle Show bye bye